I'm happy to have on the show today, Marianne Hildebrandt. She's the resource geology manager at Moneta Gold that trades under the symbol ME on the Toronto Exchange. They're a gold exploration company developing the Tower Gold project. And we were just talking about the waste generated by mining. So in terms of the waste generated by mining, we often traditionally have a very binary view of waste and ore in mining. So you, it's either ore and we can send it to a process plant or it's waste, it gets sent to a dump or it goes through a process plant and we send the rest off to a tailings facility of some sort. And that decision is based on an economic cutoff grade that is happening in the mine plan, yes, but also happening at the moment of mining. So that cutoff grade that we apply on the day uh, for extraction may vary if and change. So a week or two or a month later, we might have actually made a different decision. And th that typically happens in around material that we have, you know, there maybe is marginal to that economic cutoff rate. But the point is that the material that's going to these waste facilities actually carries economic material with it, whether it's economic today and in, in the context of that mine or not. So thinking in a larger scale now, and this is what my was able to think about with my world program, master's program, is now the greater context or the greater objective globally around the critical mineral strategy. The World Bank identified in a few years ago that in the, by 2050, we will need 500% more minerals than we currently extract. Now, where are we going to get those minerals? There's only a short, a short, a small amount for, that will come from mining current deposits, which means we'll need to extract in new deposits. And realistically, we probably aren't going to be able to extract all of that through mining. We're not, that gap isn't going to be filled. So we need to find alternative ways to fill that gap. And some aspects can be perhaps achieved through adaptation of our current technology and creating manufacturing products better and in a way that, that reduces the mineral requirement. But in reality, we're, we will still need to find ways and we will end up having to go back into more than likely these existing tailings facilities across the globe. Now, we are aware of different initiatives and policies from different governments that are currently looking and evaluating how you go back and reopen a tailings facility or a waste rock dump for extraction purposes, because maybe it was the mine that was there originally was permitted for, say, copper, but now we want to go back and extract the nickel. And how do you go back and do that and not cause significant harm to the environment and the and considering also the impact on the, the local communities. And what the challenge we have is that because the industry has a very binary view, or, or traditionally has in the last hundred or more years, where we just look at a deposit for the one or two or three minerals that we might extract economically during that period of mining, we don't necessarily, as geoscientists, keep a very good trip record of all the other potential economic materials that are, could be generated from that host rock. And that's the piece that I realized, in part because in the work that I had done at the production, producing mine that I had worked at, 
was looking at that material that was marginal or near marginal and assessing it economically to see if it could be viable. And I did that for that one project, but realistically, that was only still looking at the one economic mineral that we were extracting and not looking at the host of other minerals that could be potentially extracted. And it's that piece that sort of, that we could do now in the industry a better job on. And we're not being asked to, in part because of how the industry is structured. When you get a mining permit, from the government, you are, you've declared at that point what the economic portion of that rock is that you're going to go and mine. But because of the way the permitting works, you're not necessarily able to say, okay, I'm able to extract gold and maybe I have all my permit that I can extract silver. It's not necessarily easy in every jurisdiction to say, oh, I'd also like to extract the molybdenum or the galena or whatever other mineral that you might be interested in to produce that for market. And it's because we've permitted that in a restrictive sense towards the mining, the, for the mine. The mine would actually more, be more profitable if they had the extra permits for those materials. Exactly. So for the employer, and this is what geoscientists could have offered their employers, is additional revenue streams. They... Right now, we have a very tunnel vision on, okay, we're going to go off and extract gold, but maybe we do want nickel and copper and we want silver. But we're only looking at gold, maybe, for in certain contexts. And for the most part, most of the industry is looking like that. How do we make our operations more profitable? You need to find these alternative revenue streams. And to do that, geoscientists need to be given the budgets to do that and the ability to research in those other areas. because. Typically, you don't necessarily have all of the tools available to assess. You need to be able to collect maybe additional data. There has to be a component where you're going to go through the same sort of assessment of how do you recover this material? Can it be recovered in the same process that you're currently doing? Are you going to have to add on an additional piece to that processing facility? How are you going to track and manage that deposit? But what the idea is, though, is that if you could actually make the operation more efficient in being able to adapt to that market demand, you'd actually produce a better product for society, right? Additional revenue for the mine usually generates and produces additional revenue for the communities that are situated closely to it and also to the government through other royalty or other programs, taxes and what. And then on top of that, you're serving the purpose of achieving and filling part of the gap of the critical minerals that we so desperately need. Yeah, so for example, like one of these mines has a gold and silver permit and they're pushing through all these tailings that might be very rich in copper, which has value, but we're not utilizing that. And so what you're eventually we're going to have to go back through that as tailings you're saying, and that'll be disruptive to the environment. And even from the mining perspective, the current miner, they could have brought in a lot more revenue through also producing that copper. Exactly. The current miner could have benefited. And then let's think about the closure phase. So you're right. Let's say you have a closed tailings and waste rock facility. There is no easy process for saying, okay, how do we go back into green, this green area and redisturb it for the purpose of extraction? It, it becomes a new permitting process. And in part, because we don't have that view of looking at this material as economic 
we, at this point, when they move to closure, there's a belief that everything that's economic has been extracted without thinking that, oh, maybe in a year's time, five years time, 10 years time, that material actually could be re reopened, re-extracted for the use in another need for society. And it is a bit of a dilemma because the tailings generation mines don't always look the best, right? They look they don't always have that beautiful scenic view that the people think about when they think about a landscape, that beautiful lake and mountains and whatnot. The mine tailings don't always look pretty. They should and so that you they there's a lot of effort into around trying to make them look better. And you see this publications from different players. I'm thinking like tech last year had some lovely documents about how they're doing progressive reclamation and they're designing for reclamation is as part of the production period of the mine. And I've been a part of a mine that did progressive reclamation. And there's a good selling case for that because you can see, you can tell the public, look, we can see actual active reclamation of the land. You can see that we're responsible mining and we're not leaving this for the public purse afterwards. Because the mining industry does have that legacy, right? There is that legacy of we've gone, we've extracted, we've left a mess for, for society to clean up. But on the other hand, we ha we're now, we're on the other end of the extreme where we're actually putting in place closure plans that could be actually de de a detriment to society in the same vein. There's, a, there's some sort of reconciliation between the two ideas of having this pristine environment and having the material available to re-extract if necessary that we need to bridge, in my opinion. What would that bridge look like? There's different ways to look at closure and there's lots of people that have been advocating for thinking about closure of operations in a different manner. We have actually, and some of it is culturally defined, if you think about what we do here with just our current, if our buildings, just buildings anywhere in Canada, it would be nothing for building to close it become, and go and be torn down and maybe a new building put up. But over in maybe Europe, you don't see that. You see the reused existing infrastructure for a new purpose. And if there's that now, it would be not really welcomed in that society necessarily, in certain European societies anyways, to go in and just tear down a building because you could. There have been a push from the public side to say, no, actually, that's a viable building. We could repurpose it for another reason. One of my professors, he had suggested, like, why couldn't you repurpose a processing facility or some other facility in a northern climate for hydroponics location? to grow fruits and vegetables for a community in Northern Canada. Why? Because it's a large facility and maybe that you have the room to do this work. So there's ideas out there, but because we're so rigidly focused on, again, this approach to what closure looks like in, North, in, in the Western culture, that this is the approach that we go about. And as a geoscientist, it does create for a bit of a limited view on what we can do and what we can provide in the context of our industry, because You'd like to be able to be more supportive and adaptive to the greater conversation going on, but then you're bound by mine plans and budgets and permitting and closure and whatnot. And then the other aspect, so I talked about how we could have a better idea of what the revenue streams are available in a mine. 
But the other piece of it is we'd actually have a better understanding on the deleterious elements that would be sitting within a mining waste pile. So you'd know where the arsenic is and where the other sulfides are that create groundwater problems from mines. And we ha would have better resolution on that if we took the approach that we need to have that information because you wouldn't, you would need that information if you were going to reprocess it. Existing tailings across the globe, because we haven't as an industry been collecting this information, we're blind. You tell me to go and reopen a, a tailings facilities from 50 years ago because now this copper or nickel has become economic. And I'm walking in as a professional to something I'm completely blind to. Is there what issues that are existing in this tailings facility that I need to be aware of that could cause environmental harm? We have to go about and do additional sampling programs and probably sit with a certain amount of uncertainty because the information, which you're just never going to build a model that is as, as good as you could have when you first placed it there. You also need to now re-identify where the best places in the world, where the best tailings are. Whereas if we had all that information readily available, it's okay, let's go to this target. This project had good levels of nickel copper, which now we need. So we can go right there. There is that aspect to it. Yes, absolutely. You can theory do consider that maybe from a historical vantage point where older operations maybe don't have technology for processing that we have today. So you might say, okay, mining from a hundred years ago, the recovery was maybe half of what we could do now. Likely those would be a higher priority. But on the other hand, those also come with the greatest risk because maybe they didn't, they didn't take as much care perhaps with the environment as we do from a tailing facility that was built maybe in the 1990s or the 2000s. So there's a lot of risk management that has to go around that piece. And geoscientists are involved, will be involved in all of this at some point because you have to have someone come in and give assurance for investors that the material now you've got a person coming out to say, oh yes, we're going to go and extract here or try to raise money, that there's a qualified person sitting there that signed off this tailings or waste rock facility for extraction to say, oh yes, there's a surface deposit there that makes sense. So Marianne, if one of our listeners wanted to learn more about everything you're speaking about today or find out more about Moneta Gold, how could they go ahead and do so? To learn more about Moneta, they can go and visit the monetagold.com website and learn about our Tower Gold project. And in terms of the, what we just talked about today, I have a conference paper actually out on this called Waste Not, Want Not. that was presented last year at the International Tailings Conference, and that's available. And in general, I think people should get better educated on what the World Bank is saying in the critical mineral strategy and how that it will impact them. And yeah. Thank you, Marianne, for coming on the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. Make sure to smash that subscribe button. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki with Cosmic Web Design and Development, and we'll see you next time.